You may have just completed your bachelor's degree and are now at a crossroads. Or you may have just finished your master's degree and are looking to continue advancing your career. Either way, you've come to the right place. Because in this episode, we will tell you the top five certifications you should pursue to become a more competitive job applicant. This is the Public Health Insight Podcast. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent any of the organizations we work for or are affiliated with. You're listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for all things public health and global health, from the sustainable development goals to the social determinants of health, as well as interesting dialogue about diverse career opportunities that exist in the fields. My name is LaShawn, your host for this episode, along with my fellow co-host, Gordon. So Gordon, what are we talking about today? What is this certification thing we're trying to talk about? Certification. So I would say we talk about this a lot. And you know I don't like going to school. So a lot of times when people are working for a while or they just finish school, they often think about more school. So if you finish a bachelor's, you think about a master's. If you finish a master's, you think about a PhD or DRPH. But we're here to tell you that's not the only way you could do professional development. So there's a thing called certifications that you can do that essentially gives you a seal of approval for a certain skill that you trained or studied for. So that's what we're here to talk to you about. Yeah, and of course, with these certifications, you might want to think about some of the monetary costs that come alongside it. That's the first thing I think of. And of course, you want to compare this relative to, you know, how much you would be spending doing another master's or a bachelor's degree or a PhD and think of the time commitment aspect to that as well. So, of course, with these certifications, they vary in their amounts. Some can cost, uh, some can be free, some can be a couple of hundred, some go into the thousands. So there are a variety and that's why in this episode, we're going to be talking about a wide range of different public health and global health skills uh, that you could get. And by pursuing certain certifications that could help enhance your practice. So, LaShawn, when we're talking about certifications, people might even think we're talking about public health specific certifications. Mm -hmm. But the good thing about certifications is it allows you to harness those transferable skills, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to talk about these certifications from that lens. Exactly. And I'm going to say it again, and I always say this, in public health, it's a broad field, and we have to understand different areas outside of public health and be able to leverage some of the tools, techniques, and positive impacts that can arise from these other fields and bring them to our field. So we're going to kind of steal them. We're going to hijack them and bring them to our field in public health and find out a way to incorporate it into what we do every day as public health professionals. And we believe that these five certifications that we're going to talk about today do exactly that. And we're counting down from five to one from our perspective. So there might be some disagreements if there's, you know, if you're listening and if there's anything out there that we don't touch on when we're finished, let us know about it. We want to know. We want to know. We want to know. And And if uh, you were surprised by any, let us know too, right? Exactly. And why, what was the impetus of even creating this specific podcast Were there experiences that we had that demonstrated the need that there should be more messaging and information about these different certifications? How do we kind of analyze the field to just understand the demand here? 
That's a good question. So I, at the end of the day, from my experience anyway, and one of the things we'll talk about, I won't give it away, is when you work in the field, you have to be very reflective and learn about what your where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are. And the good thing is there are things you could do outside of formal education to enhance those skills. And there are gaps you'll have in your formal education that you'll need to to supplement through other means. So that's kind of how we approach this list and why we think in order to stand out in a competitive job market where everyone might have a bachelor's, everyone might have a MPH or master's, and everyone might have a PhD or DRPH, what other things you could do to just give you that extra edge in the job market? And then when you get to the workplace, how can you stand out even further from these certifications? Yeah. And in interviews, right? In interviews, yeah. Yeah, and like one of the things that came up for a lot of these meetings we have with public health professionals and students through office hours, which Public Health Insight offers for free of charge. Mm. Email us if you want to drop the Email us, exactly. Drop it, drop it. So if you're interested in these office hours, of course, you could reach us at thepublichealthinsight at gmail.com. Be in the description. Yeah, it'll be in the description. Don't worry about it. All right. So... Again, as we have these office hours and we're meeting different people, there's always the concern of, you know, I'm about to graduate from my MPH program or my uh, bachelor's program. And I started looking at jobs and all these jobs have different requirements in their the job description. I don't know what quality management is, project management, and there's these different skills that come up all the time. And it's like, I didn't go to school for project management. How am I supposed to know different skills from project management? And of course, depending on some of the experiences you have, you might have had training in these areas. But a lot of people coming out of public health programs, um, especially if you're newer to the field, you might not have that sort of experience that you could demonstrate on your resume or cover letter. So this was some of the concerns some of the students had. And of course, they don't want to commit more time, like Gordon was saying, sometimes to more education, which is often costly. And we kind of thought of that in mind when coming up with this list as well to provide some options that are low cost and high impact. So here we go. What's at number five, LaShawn? So at number five, we have certified in public health, otherwise known as CPH. What is that? So CPH is a certification you can get if you attended a CEF accredited program. And what does CEF mean? CEF is the Council of Education in Public Health. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? Yep. Yeah. And they basically, we talked about this in one of our previous episodes. It's essentially some kind of stamp of approval for certain public health programs that have a certain curriculum. So typically students who graduate from those programs would be eligible to write the CPH exam. And the CPH exam is essentially an exam that you would do to just put a seal of approval on your public health skills because in many public health programs, you don't essentially write like an exit exam to certify that you're competent. Obviously, having gotten good grades and graduated, we can you know infer that you have what it takes, but this is a formal exam that tests you in a couple of different areas. And it might be something that you could sell to your employer or potential employer. Exactly. And here are two kind of points that I also want to add to this is Sure, one of the requirements is attending one of these CEPH or CEPH accredited schools, which can be at 
the master's level or doctoral level. There's also the option uh, for eligibility where you can have public health, significant public health experience. So one of the eligibility criteria is at least having a bachelor's degree in any concentration in addition to at least five years of public health work experience. And, and, and the same thing applies for the master's level. The other criteria would be any graduate level degree with at least three years of public health work experience. Now, again, if you have an MPH degree, you have learned a lot of the skills that are tested on this exam. However, one of the ideas behind certifications and credentialing is this prolonged continual development of skills as a public health professional. So with many of these certifications that we're talking about, there is components involved where every three years you have to, every two years or three years, depending on the certification, you have to do continual modules or, you know, attend events to develop certain credits which you can use to extend the certification after the eligibility period is over. So in the context of the certified in public health, I believe it is two years. So every two years, you would have to go through a recertification process. And there's a bunch of ways to get these credits to recertify. You could listen to a podcast, etc. So I would say this, right? Mm. I think my take on this is... If you've been an MPH for a while and you've been in a job for a while, you know, you may or may not consider doing this. However, if you are a Bachelor of Public Health or Bachelor of Health Studies and you're already in the working world and maybe you have decided you will not be going back to school, this is a good way to just give you an extra stamp of approval, especially like LaShawn said, after five years, even if you didn't go to a CF accredited program, you might be eligible then you could consider something like doing this exam to just have a little bit of competition with folks who have their master's. So that's my kind of take on who this certification would be most useful for. Yeah, and a caveat to that would also be this idea that it is an American-centric certification. So a lot of employees in the United States of America, they are more familiar with the certification, whereas if you move this certification into Canada, it's not as well-known. However, part of this whole certification process is, you know, demonstrating that because now that you have the certification, you have X, Y, Z advantage and skills and competencies that someone who may not have had that certification has and continues to demonstrate. And now with cost, just to put it out there, this certified in public health certification, the exam costs $385. And if you pass that every two years, you would have to pay around $95 USD for recertification. Now that we are kind of getting into this a bit more, I wanted to just talk about briefly some of the exam areas that they covered, just so you get a sense of what you would be learning when doing this certification. So they have a section on evidence-based approaches to public health, communication, leadership, law and ethics, public health biology and human disease risk, collaboration, partnership, program planning and evaluation, program management, policy and public health, and health equity and social justice. So as you could already see, it covers around these 10 different domains, super important areas into public health. So if you need a refresher in any one of these given areas, it could be worthwhile for you to you know pursue this. That's a good idea. So even if you're another group of people, this could be useful for LaShawn is folks who maybe were in public health for a bit and kind of left the field for another field or 
hadn't been working for a while. And then if you, if you have that gap in your resume, right, this might be a good way to just reassure your potential employer that you still have what it takes to be successful in a public health environment, right? Exactly. And one thing that I'll mention right from the start before we even get to the next certifications is you can have these certifications just for the sake of having it, but I do not recommend that. Gordon and I always recommend that you actually implement your knowledge in a practical sense once you get the knowledge and competencies from these certifications. It does no one good if you're just learning it and not doing anything with it, but expecting to get a better position, a higher paying job, promotions, etc. You have to be able to implement this and show that you have added value in your approach to public health and global health practice. Let's just throw in an honorable mention in there as well for uh, the Certified Health Education Specialist Certification, and it's a certification by the National Commission for Health Education Credentialing. It's also uh, a U.S.-based certification, if I'm not mistaken, to LaShawn, that has different eligibility requirements for uh, than the CPH. So if you're interested in health education as a part of where you want to take your career, I encourage you to check it out. We'll have all those links in the description. Exactly. So at number four, we have change management certifications. What is change management? Sounds a little bit like something you would do in project management. Mm. A little bit. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, change change management is essentially just you have an organization and if you if you've worked for any period of time at all, you'll know that change is difficult within an organization. So whether it's culture, you're moving, changing systems, you're changing technology, you want to change beliefs and attitudes towards certain things. And this certification just essentially equips you with the skills you need to do change management. So that is the the act of creating change in an organization in the way that's most most efficient. And if I remember correctly, there's two sort of main bodies that you could get the certification through. And as a result, there are two different types of credentials you can get from being a certified change management practitioner. So one, of course, is a certified change management professional, CCMP. And it's by the Association of Change Management Professionals. The other one is ProSci. I believe that's how you pronounce it. It's just another organization offering training, whether it's online, over a couple of days. And you get certified Mm -hmm. after going through that course. And they go through something called the ADCAR model. And so with these, these two certifications, I would say that they often require a bit more experience within a given field. So within public health, it's not like you can have, you know, an entry level position in public health and be eligible to write these certifications. It takes a couple of years of experience in sort of management level or higher suite level positions to get this certification. But we strongly believe in public health, like I mentioned, we're in need of different strategies and approaches to managing resources human resources and you know physical resources and i think that with these change management certifications it gives you that evidence-based structured approach to implementing change in an organization and really understanding what are these barriers to implementations of different changes and we talk a lot about in public health of being dynamic and responsive and i think the pandemic has shed light to that now how do you incorporate changes that need are very urgent that has to be made and implement that across your organization. And if this sounds like 
um, an idea that's interesting to your position, we recommend, you know, looking more into this because ultimately we want to be responsive as public health professionals. Absolutely. And as LaShawn said, so in addition to being, to needing to work for a little bit to be eligible to write certain exams, including this one, this is meant more for people who have aspirations in management and leadership. Reason being is if you're in an entry-level position or you're just starting out, you're not situated to influence large-scale changes in an organization, especially if it's a larger size organization. So this, you're better off learning about the working world for a bit and then looking into the certification if you're interested in leadership or management. Definitely. And again, these two certifications, especially the ProSci, are a bit pricey. They go into the thousands, so that's another consideration. Yeah. And the pro, I think, so for the, the ProSci is a little bit less rigorous. I don't believe there's an exam required. I think mm-hmm. it's just you do a trainings and workshop for yeah. a couple of days or a week, yeah. and then you get the certification. Whereas the other certification, the CCMP, uh, Certified Change Management Professional, you do have to study for a bit and then write an exam, pass the exam and get certified. So if you're looking for something a little bit more robust and rigorous, the CCMP of the two would would likely be the best option, especially if you would like change management to actually be a part of what you do in your career development. Change management in terms of pro-sci is more for if you're if you're maybe already in a leadership position and you just kind of want to have an idea or do a little bit refresher, get some new ideas, maybe that's the one that you pursue. But it depends on where you're looking to take your career or where you are at in your career. Exactly. Fantastic. At number three, we have digital marketing certifications. Oh, no. Here we go. Gordon, why are you saying that? <laughs> So digital marketing certifications is something you have embarked on recently and you've been trying to get me to do it. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. But you, I understand that you've finished the course and you're preparing to write the exam in the next couple of months. Why did you decide to do that certification? Hmm. So again, this goes back to this idea that I want to find different ways to enhance public health and global health practice. And one of the ways I've identified Mm -hmm. is every day, each and every one of us are navigating this digital virtual space. Okay. All this information is being thrown at us. All this information is being presented to us and we're navigating through and sifting through this different information. I want to understand what goes on behind the scenes, how we're getting certain pieces of information, how marketing organizations are sending us ads, how they're producing information, how they're manipulating, presenting, and trying to convince you to buy a given product or think about certain pieces of information. And I believe that through understanding principles within digital marketing as a public health professional, I wanted to understand how I could use these different principles within digital marketing to help portray information, to put information out there, whether it's health promotion information, health education information, what successful strategies that are ethical are being used 
by digital marketing organizations or organizations around the world and what has been working. Because in fact, as I mentioned in other episodes, big, big, big organizations like, you know, biopharmaceutical companies, Pepsi, Coca-Cola, chocolate bars, chocolate milk, all these organizations have a digital marketing strategy that they use to convince you to buy their product and consume their information. Why can't we use these strategies, whether it's through content marketing, social media marketing, using search engine optimization, using email marketing, paid searches and ads? Why can't we, as public health units, public health organizations, global health organizations, use these exact strategies to put out good evidence-based public health messaging? A lot of people in public health and global health may not have that background to be able to even think about ideas and implement it as part of their strategy to disseminate information. That's why I wanted to learn digital marketing. So would you say that digital marketing then, the way it will help you, right, is especially with PHI as well, will it help you to have the tools to make public health information more accessible and expanding the reach to people who might not typically get the cookie-cutter, old-fashioned public health messaging. Is that kind of where you're hoping to take this as an end goal? Yes, of course. I think whatever tools you could bring to bring in individuals who may not know too much about public health and bringing them into the conversation is always something worth pursuing. And the tools in digital marketing, whether it be learning about different audience segmentations, learning of different audience personas and being able to target specific audiences that you might have not thought about traditionally. I think these ideas and concepts and tools that come alongside of it, you know, keyword searching, what are people actually searching when they're on the internet? Everyone Googles. A lot of people find their health information from just a quick Google search. Now, understand that there are organizations that pick specific keywords and target ads to those searches that people are doing. How do we make sure that these companies that are doing this have evidence-informed decisions? So as public health professionals and global health professionals, we need to understand and combat some of this misinformation and disinformation that might be used to manipulate some of these searches in, in terms of ads. And I guess just overall, like I mentioned, overall just understanding the different segmentations of audiences and different audience types. I think that's going to be very important. No, this is this is cool. So even think of, you mentioned before, right? So mm. you mentioned the soft drink companies, and I could you could even throw in sports, fitness, and apparel companies as well, right? And they're all there's sort of that end goal of like you said, consuming the product is mm. their end goal, right? So in a sense, these messages are geared towards some kind of action or behavior change, mm-hmm. right? So this is starting to sound a little bit like health promotion. Exactly. So it sounds like in the in the digital era where a lot of health promotion is done on the internet, mm-hmm. it sounds like we, we should have a better understanding through certifications like this. Exactly. Exactly. And again, you, you hit it right on the head with this idea of health promotion. What are you doing as health promotion? And congratulations on that big award you recently won in health promotion in <laughs> Ontario, first of mm-hmm. all. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you could probably tell me a definition of what health promotion is, and I could tell you how it mm-hmm. aligns exactly with digital marketing. And again, the alignment might not be perfect, but what we're saying is this can be a tool in our arsenal 
to help us in this idea generation phase when we're brainstorming about, you know, a different program or implementation mm. or service in public health? How can we use strengths in these different areas like digital marketing yeah. to help us get so that and, good information and what out were, there? What were the certifications called again, LaShawn? So there, there are like a bunch. A dual certification, right? Yeah. So the one I'm doing is a dual certification offered by the American Marketing Association and the Digital Marketing Institute. I believe it's based in Ireland, and they're two of the top mm. digital marketing organizations in the world. And there is a cost associated with this certifications. It's in the thousands. So if that's something you're interested in, that's something you can look into. However, I want to stress that there are also a bunch of free certifications, whether it's offered through Google, you know, YouTube or different online course based websites, you could find a pretty cheap option. And it's like for again, for all of these courses, whether it's, you know, learning more about public health digital marketing or other things we're going to talk about, there are other alternatives that you can get for free. Mm. You can learn a lot of this for free, but if you want a more structured environment and you want that stamp right. of approval from these big leading organizations to help promote yourself when you're in a job interview, resume, cover letter, these are things that you can use. Yeah. Those courses are good for learning, but then the certifications give you the learning plus stamp of approval, like mm -hmm. you said. So think about that when you make those decisions or maybe like, LaShawn, you could even try it out, test it out in a free course to see if it's something you're interested mm -hmm. in and then pursue the certification if you're if you kind of got lost in the rabbit hole. So exactly. yeah, that's the one strategy you can use. Mm -hmm. Mm. All right. Number two, we have number two, drum roll, drum roll. Lean Six Sigma and Six Sigma. What is that? So what are those? I have Sounds no idea. Super, <laughs> super hectic. Gordon, yeah. you're the expert. What is this? Nah, I'm not the expert, but so essentially Lean Six Sigma is, or Six Sigma, there, there's subtle differences between the two and they're perhaps equally useful in healthcare and public health. And essentially, I'll just talk about them from a blanket perspective. They focus on quality improvement and reducing waste. So creating efficiencies in systems and processes and products. So if you think of public health, streamlining certain processes to make it more efficient for the populations that we serve, absolutely, that's something we'd like to know how to do. And especially in healthcare, how do we allocate resources in the most efficient way so that the patients are satisfied with the service they're getting, right? From a high level, that's what these certifications will help you do. So when we're talking about Lean Six Sigma or Six Sigma, we're talking about this idea of enhancing processes, reducing waste, or waste can be a lot of things, whether it's in a process of wait times, just to make things more overall right. efficient and streamline things. Have you ever been in a situation? Like, like a real world example. So COVID-19, the pandemic that I don't like to talk about, there, if you think of just getting tested, waiting for results, getting calls to self-isolate, like all of those are process-based in a wider system. So Six Sigma would then look at the different processes there and be like, what's the best way to essentially get someone's test result to them as quickly as possible for them to take action? And it would essentially examine 
the whole system by doing like process mapping where you go go this happens before this and then this happens before this and it's do we need this step in the middle if we were to get rid of this step in what would that look like would that increase times with that so that's kind of what lean six sigma in practice looks like obviously it's there's a lot of technical knowledge required that there's a lot of statistics as well preparing for a lot of statistics from preparing for the course and the certification but essentially if that's something that you're very interested in if you're sort of that statistician epidemiology type of person that's this is something that you might be interested in health systems improvement as well that this is something that would be good for that yeah and one of the the main things to mention here is there's a certification offered by the American Society for Quality and the way they have ASQ the, exactly the way they have these certifications listed out is they do it by belts and you can have your yellow belt, green belt, your black belt or your master black belt and uh, starting from yellow it's a bit easier there's less requirements prerequisites to apply for that exam and write that exam and then the requirements move up significantly as you go up that chain of yellow, green, black and master black. Yeah, I mean, you, you want to do your research to make sure it's a recognized institution or organization mm. for anything, really. Like, what are you going to do formal school or certification? Cuz if you're going to brag about it, you want to make sure that it's a very legit <laughs> legit certification, right? So, I think that's a there's a point there to be made. But yeah, it lean six sigma it's not for everybody. I think it's a very technical set of skills that you'll get. But like I said, health systems improvement, quality improvement, quality control as it relates to public health or global health, health systems management, that's a place that you want to look at for mm-hmm. sure. We talk about these big ideas about reducing wait times and making things more efficient, but what tools do you have in practice that can help you get there? Can you do a specific Lean Six Sigma analysis or statistical analysis to show and prove and make your case for doing something a certain way over the way it's being done? So it helps us right. gain practical tools to do this and present data in ways that other people can understand. Well, even like just to wrap it up, right? So I think public health for the most part, and I know like in health promotion, there's you know, like you have a process evaluation and an outcome evaluation. I do acknowledge that. But I feel like in, in general, it's very outcome-based public health, right? But we don't talk about the process enough. Can the process be better? How can it be better? How do we analyze a process? And these are some of the technical things that LaShawn's talking about where you're going to make a decision between two processes and you want to reduce an outcome of wait times you have to look at the process through which you do that. So that's where this certification helps you stand out. Thank you. And last, but definitely, 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 definitely not least. Number one. Project management. Why are we so hyped up about project management, Gordon? Project management is the best thing you could do with your life. That's why it's number one. We're super biased. Whether you're planning your own wedding, right? Whether you're planning your own wedding, whether you're planning a birthday party, you're planning a trip, or you're planning an intervention for your workplace. It's useful everywhere you go, right? So that's that's why project management, all jokes aside, is essentially, we, th- we believe the most applicable certification to any industry is from our perspective, and no less when applied to public health. Yeah, and I guess 
what is project management? It's this idea. Mm. It's the process of being a leader and leading a team to achieve project objectives and goals within your given constraints. And the constraints that are usually at hand, the three main ones are the time, the cost, and the overall scope of any given project. And you want to balance those out to effectively complete and deliver your projects. And you can essentially create scenarios and think about things in ways that you didn't think about before. So, you know, delivering a podcast and creating a podcast, that's a project, the whole timeline, the whole conception of idea to implementation and publishing a podcast, that in and of itself can be thought of as a project. And I'm sure there's different processes and things you do at your work that you can kind of, maybe you haven't thought about it as a project, but you could use a lot of different things within project management to help you deliver things more effectively and lead your teams to successful completion of projects. Learning about the how to do things is what you'll get from project management. So another reason that Gordon and I are super passionate about project management is that we've actually both have gained some certifications in project management through the Project Management Institute. There are two main certifications that are often talked about at this particular institute. We have the CAPM, which is the Certified Associate in Project Management, and we also have the PMP, which is the project management professional. These are two certifications that are very well known in the space. And what you're going to be learning through pursuing these two certifications on top of what we just talked about is this overarching idea of three different buckets or themes that intersect very intimately. You have this idea of people. So understand that as a project manager, you're communicating and you're talking to people you're really looking at the soft skills you need to manage and effectively deliver on different projects in changing environments. You also have this... Influencing and motivating, right? Influencing and motivating. You also have this second bucket of processes. So what are these actual things you can do to help complete a project? So that technical aspect of managing Mm. projects and delivering. And then you have to understand this third bucket of this business environment. No matter where you work whatever position you're in, there is this idea of a business environment. So there's different policies, uh, procedures, and different steps you have to take to work in an environment, like interacting with your HR, your legal department, your communications department, you know, maybe there's a finance department, you have to understand who to talk to and how they interact with the jobs and work that you have to complete on a day to day basis. So why are understanding those three things, Gordon? Super important in public health. So in public health, almost everything we do, or I would say everything that we do if if we're talking about public health interventions, is very project-based. Now, when you go to school, for example, we went to a Master of Public Health program, you learn about the social terms of health, you learn about epidemiology, you learn about biostats. There's a lot of case-based learning in there, so there's real-world scenarios that you're able to do. But what you don't often get to be challenged by in these scenarios is those resource and constraints that LaShawn talks about. So we do a case, we have very ambitious ideas, we think of it as unlimited resources, and that's pretty much not the case 100% of the time in practice. 
you'll never have enough money, you'll never have enough people, and you'll never have enough time. Mm. Now, what this certification allows you to do is to accept those factors and put out the best product possible that satisfies the relevant stakeholders. So that's why this specific certification is super applicable to public health. And that's why those three domains that you mentioned, Lashan, the understanding of those three domains are especially important. So you didn't workplace politics. So like the organization might have a certain belief about a certain thing that's against public health values. How do you go about implementing a project that might conflict with those or conflict with other important stakeholders, right? So those are some important things you have to consider when doing this. You're never implementing a project in isolation. So you have to understand all these different factors. Exactly. And a lot of that, like I mentioned, in the people's domain, you're going to have to learn about different ideas like conflict management. And, Mm. you know, you're often working with different people every day and you have to be able to conduct yourself professionally and in a way that doesn't affect the different aspects of a project. So learning about that. And within this kind of certification bucket, you're also learning about other important things like being able to identify risks in projects, being able to understand how to communicate using different communication channels to effectively communicate with different stakeholders in a project. How many times have you sent an email to someone and they didn't reply? Did you just stop messaging them? Maybe there was a better way if you did more analysis on the different communication channels. Maybe they like direct phone calls or text messages. That's a better way to reach them. So it basically gives you a framework of thinking. And I really appreciate it because it really gives you this framework of thinking from a very strategic perspective that they don't really teach you in public health to consider the work that you're doing at hand, but also connecting that to the business environment, your organizational values, missions, and goals, and see how those two are connected. And when you're able to think from both of those perspectives, among many others, during interviews, cover letters, resumes, it's a shutdown. They're able to see that you're a strategic thinker and you're able to connect these goals from this organizational perspective, which oftentimes we don't talk about as employees of an organization. Always connect it back. Always. Right. LaShawn, didn't you have an experience where you you talked about some project management principles and your interviewers actually ended up asking you to present on some of those once you get employed? Yeah, I mean, during during the interview process, they always ask you standard questions and, you know, why do you want to do this? Why public health? And then you kind of get those technical, you know, interpersonal soft skill type questions where it's like, hey, if you're in a position where you get into an argument with so-and-so, what would you do, right? And of course, you know, you have this standard answer of, you know, you need to do things professionally, respectfully, and you talk to them and you make sure that you hear their side of the the problem, you tell them your side of the problem, and you come to a compromise, and which is a great answer. I think it's fantastic. But taking that a step, taking that and going a step more in, in advance is considering this idea of how do you make sure this type of situation or argument doesn't happen again. What can you put in place within your team and organizational culture? Something like a team charter, which clearly demonstrates different steps you have to take and different values and rules that prevent situations exactly like this. So making sure that at a strategic level, at an organizational level, you have thought this out and it's something that can be prevented in the future rather than 
just kind of putting gauze in something and stopping the bleeding at that second. So how and, easy are yeah. these things to get? You mentioned there's a CAPM or CAPM and a PMP. Mm-hmm. So who's eligible for the CAPM or CAPM and who's eligible for PMPs? Yeah, fantastic. So the CAPM, so Certified Associate in Project Management, is really an entry-level project management certification. So all you need for this certification is basically a high school diploma or its equivalent, and you need to basically mm-hmm. take a 23-hour certified project management education course before you eventually write the official exam. And this course, this 23-hour course, may sound like it's you know super um, expensive, etc., but there are a variety of options with different price ranges. You could get it for often as cheap as $20 for the course. So if you compare if that... It's, if it's self-paced. Yeah. Exactly, a self-paced course. Yeah. And of course, if you're interested, let us know and we could talk more about that. And, you know, compare that $20 to, you know, thousands of dollars of doing a master's degree or a different, you know, formal education degree. Or doing or doing us like a college d- diploma in project management when you could actually just study on your own and get a certification, right? Exactly. So this, I often recommend this for individuals who don't have too much experience within project management, and they want to learn more. And I think this is a good starting certification. I did this certification a couple of years ago as well when I was starting off my journey in project management. So yes, it basically involves you taking a course, you getting through this eligibility criteria, and then you ultimately sitting down to writing a proctored online exam. Now the second... Very difficult. It is pretty difficult. There's... So... The study material from this comes from something called the PMBOK or PIMBOK. It's the Project Management Body of Knowledge. And there's this, we're at the 7th edition now. It changed a lot since the 6th edition. But there's it's a pretty thick book and there's a lot to it and there's a lot to learn. So it's very much a, it's a daunting yeah. task, but worthwhile for sure. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I would say for just to throw this in before we move to PMP. And this applies to PMP as well. But I would say... For if you're working full time and you're consistently studying, I think you're looking at around three to four months of preparation time if you're consistent with uh, your study. So just to give you an idea of how much effort it takes. Exactly. And then again, the PMP project management professional requirements for the this. Certifications of all certifications. <laughs> yes. So this is the certification that Gordon and myself also have. And in terms of eligibility, requires a four-year degree and 36 months of leading a project. And then you also have this requirement of completing this 35-hour project management course, which is relatively affordable if you choose the self-paced option. Yeah, If you have the CAPM, you, you get to skip that. Yeah, if you have the CAPM, the you can skip that 35-hour requirement. And mm. the thing with this is the PMP and the CAPM both use the same project management body of knowledge. So you're learning the same material the PMP is more of a practical-based exam. So you're drawing from your experience as a project manager and answering questions from that kind of strategic project management perspective. Project management, I would say, just to wrap that up, LaShawn, you would agree, in terms of value for money, is the single most impactful professional development thing we've ever done. Mm-hmm. And that's including our bachelor's degree and master's degrees. I would say it sounds like you agree. Yeah. Value for money? Very much. It's very Mm. good for value for money. And I mean, 
the project management, the principles in project management can be taken with you across many, many different application areas, whether you're talking about medicine, construction, healthcare, economics, like these are, you're doing projects in every field. You're managing people, working with others in different fields. You're working with different stakeholders in every field. So you can apply these concepts and principles in many, many, many different areas. And then if you look into just public health alone, you, you talk about health promotion, policy analysis, health analysts, all those different epidemiologists, project management lives in all those domains as well. So even within the diversity of public health, there's a mm-hmm. lot of applications for project management. Exactly. It will certainly be of use if you pursue it and complete the certification. Hands now, down. now, if you're all... We, we said a lot of different things. We talked about these five different certifications, which we think as public health and global health professionals will be beneficial to enhance your practice. And number five, we had the certified in public health. Number four, we had change management certifications. Number three, we have digital marketing certifications. Number two, we have Six Sigma and Lean Six Sigma. And number one, we had project management. And with all these certifications, of course, it's what you make of it. So don't just do it for the sake of just having a certification and saying, wow, I'm so cool, I have a certification. The intention should be, at least I think the intention should be, to find value and find different connections on where you can incorporate it within your public health and professional practice and see how you could enhance it, add value to your organization and show potential employers that you have the skills and you have the seal of approval to prove that you can do these different things. And again, I want to mention that with all these certifications, we're more, Gordon and I are more than happy to set up these one-on-one meetings with you all to talk more about how these certifications can be applicable in your line of works in public health or global health, or just any type of questions during our office hours. And again, Email us at thepublichealthinsight at gmail.com to set up this free office hour chat with Gordon and myself. And if you forget, the links are in the description below. LaShawn and Gordon signing off. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. See you in the next one.